3: A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
4: HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention.
2: PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis people who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you.
3: It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County.
1: Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org.
5: hey everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best podcasts on nfl football in the UK.
6: good evening rush nation it's uh it's monday we're back for another flagship uh, apologies for last week um so i learned and i shared this with lewis all right um that most home insurance policies in, in the country. And I'm, I'm this is that public service announcement, as you will, um, are invalidated. If you declare on social media or on a podcast or some form of broadcast that you are going on holiday, um, and I'm a stickler for details as you probably are aware so uh, thus did not announce I was going on holiday for that very reason and Dan unfortunately ran into a few uh, issues and he's not here tonight he's still got some technical issues uh, with internet and that so I've drafted Lewis in so apologies there was no show uh last week apologies to the radio so if you do follow me on twitter you would have heard on Sunday when I was uh back uh that i'm uh yeah i was on holiday uh wasn't anything to i think a few people sent some messages to you Lou, didn't they saying uh where, where i was or what i was up to but uh yeah i was just uh reconnecting with my family and uh making sure that the boy and uh and and us as a family had some time to connect it was pretty crap summer we didn't really get away uh due to uh, injuries and illness so yeah good to recharge good to be back and good to watch some uh what was a very strange week in the nfl um but join tonight with me is lewis uh lewis uh welcome to the flagship how are you doing my friend
7: i am very well it, it wasn't just a uh, strange week i think it's been a strange season so far um on top of a mountain of injuries and everything else Um, some surprise teams there's jack look five and one baby the giants are definitely one of them it's just been um a bit of a strange season through six weeks i think
6: yeah very strange uh very strange season for sure and uh all in all just um i'll be mean, trying to do some some digging in is to try and understand some of it and uh gonna have an article going out on five yard at some point this week uh, about running backs and that's all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna tease it too much but it is interesting to see that Normally you'd expect offences to start slightly. We're still not really seeing too many of these offences sort of kick in. And then some of the offences we thought would be good have not been good. Um, and then you've got what we've um, just been hearing about in the last few minutes with regards to um, the Arizona Cardinals. So the Arizona Cardinals have traded for and acquired Robbie Anderson from the Panthers. I'm not too sure what the compensation is i imagine it will be a very late pick given that robbie anderson uh, was on uh, quite a fair wage in terms of salary it was quite a big salary 15 16 million um and then it's transpired that that move has happened because marcus hollywood brown appears to have suffered a season-ending injury so he effectively comes in as a like-for-like replacement for the man they traded the first round pick for um in order to acquire him this summer so and the you know, the, the Cardinals have been one of those teams that have just been pretty, pretty dismal on offense, really, this season. So, how, how do you think that trade kind of shapes down and, and what you expect of the Cardinals going forward? Do you think they, with Anderson, have got a suitable replacement? Or
7: I, I mean, um, Hollywood has certainly started off quite well um, compared to what I expected anyway. Um, before this week, I think he was like the wide receiver, seven or eight, something like that. Um don't have it in front of me right now because obviously it's last minute news but he had started quite well obviously with Hopkins coming back as well it's a like-for-like replacement but I can't see Anderson making too much of a difference uh, Kyler Murray has to get something going and this weekend was a prime example of uh, Arizona's troubles I think
6: It's a strange one because they do actually lead the league in a number of offensive plays made. So um, running a high number of plays per game, it's over 77 plays per game. So you would think that with the players that they've got, that they would be doing more in the sense of from an offensive perspective, but they just seem to not be able to get, as you said, Marcus, other Brown, PPR, uh, Wide receiver five on the year, but even so, it's not even a. You know he, he's not. He's been fine, but he's not necessarily been sort of a standout player. It's more volume. New Hopkins comes back this week. We'd expect that offense to potentially improve, but it's just a strange one. Like they've not, they've not really hit the ground running, and they're not alone. There's quite a number of teams. We're going to get through a few of them, but I do think with Anderson, if it's a two is it's a double-edged sword at the end of the day cliff kingsbury and arizona are in trouble because they were predicted to make the playoffs they need some progression they've paid Kyler murray an awful lot of money uh to play quarterback and it's not working and and cliff kingsbury for me is is one of arguably one of the worst offensive play calls in the nfl his his offense is very college style it's very stale um it's a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of short yardage passing. It's very unexciting. It's very unattractive. And it, it's it's kind of like a really, it's like a poor man's Sean McVay offense, where Sean McVay is coming in and he's he's playing the short yardage game. But he's the way that he schemes blockers and similar to Carl Shanahan, the way that they scheme these short plays is so that they enable the running lanes of the channels so that a short pass turns into a twenty thirty yard gain. That's what Cooper Cup did, ever so successfully last season. Very similar to the foundations that have built, um, you, you know, the, the successful teams that we've seen who play that sort of West Coast offense, short yardage uh, for long street games. Carl Shanahan with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, for example. Cliff Kingsbury's just forgetting about that second part, and he's like, "Well, we'll just play seven eight yard passes, and if we just do that down the field, we'll be fine." The problem with that is their quarterback is... And, and this is where the height issue comes in. Because of the fact that he he's not able to gain enough protection, he, he wheels around and he's ended up having to make a lot of plays on the run. But because he can't see the whole field, it's a very difficult offense to run when you're not six foot two plus. Because spread offense, you need to see the whole field. And he can't because he's not tall enough. So it's a really mis- You know, It's a mismatched offense. That doesn't suit to Kyler Murray's skill set. It doesn't no. suit to um, the, 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 effectively the players in that offense. The only player, the only player that benefits from this offense is, is Zach Ertz. Really, the only and, and James Conner maybe, but no. no one else does. Uh, and so Cliff Kingsbury's on. He's on the hot seat here because they need to get into the playoffs, get beyond the first round of the playoffs. They've they've traded their first round pick for Marcus Allen Brand. Right, he's got hurt. He, he's done all right but they need to kick on. They paid all this money to, to Kyler Murray. And, uh, I'm not sure if Robbie Anderson is going to be quite enough, especially given that he is a bit of a, a negative character. He does come with some, some challenges just this weekend. He squared up to former Arizona head coach, Steve Wilkes, who's now the interim at Carolina and has squared up to him on multiple occasions. And, uh, and that's the end of his career. And In fact, he's got what he's wanted. You end up rewarding him because he didn't want to be there. You don't want to be on a team that's losing every week. So <laughs> I don't
7: know No, I mean, I mean, like, it, some things he was throwing around on social media before the season, Robbie Anderson as well, you can see he did not want to be there with uh, Carolina. But going back to uh, Cliff Kingsbury, just quickly, like you say about, he's very simple. People have him worked out. Opposing head coaches have him worked out before... Way before, weeks before, they're due to play Arizona. And with their defense not stepping up like they are, that's why fantasy managers and stuff that have drafted these players with high draft picks and things like that, you know, the James Conner, Kyler Murray and that, that, that's why they're taking the hit because they're expecting all these things, but it's just very easy to work out. It's almost like you know what you're getting from Arizona before you're due to play them. Like, yeah, I, I really think there's a lot more to it from the naked eye than there is from breaking down stats and things like that with Arizona.
6: Yeah, and 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 what goes beyond that as well is just they ha- when they've got down into the red zone they haven't been overly efficient, and it's because it's as you say it's very wow. one dimensional. If they get down into the red zone, the ball goes to Zach Ertz. It's, it's a very traditional uh offense they run um and so it's a pretty easy offense to defend against because Zac had said 11 red zone targets he's he's completed four of those for two touchdowns like it's not a great efficiency metric because what you do when you've got um Arizona inside the 15 it's very simple you drop back a little bit um you put extra men uh, back on the defensive line or sorry in the defensive back position and you make sure that you've got the run of Ertz covered, but then you make sure you've dropped an extra uh, player back to help the safety. And then you just make sure that there's there's coverage there. So you know roughly where Ertz is going to go. He's not going to part charge to a pylon. He's going to dominate that middle of the field. So you drop an extra player back to help the safety. Um, or you start with an extra safety, maybe play three. And then all of a sudden you've got that area covered and that's where they're not converting. And, and there's a couple of offenses very, very similar. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers very, very similar, have those challenges. and We'll get on to them later on. You know, let's say you take that read away. So the next read's going to be Marquise Brown. So again, he's at six red zone targets. He's completed one. Again, very simple. You know he's going to dominate whatever side the outside he's on. So again, you put coverage there and the only play that they can make in the red zone is Kyler Murray with his feet, which is why you just see it now. Kyler Murray's just running around in the loop because they're like, do you know what? If Kyler Murray can beat the seven or eight men he's gonna to have to beat the score a touchdown, then hats off to him, he can have the points. Because they've just schemed it now, teams, against Arizona. It's like we're gonna let Kyler beat us. And if he does, fair play to him. Like you'll shake his hand at the end of it. But we're not gonna because we know the ball's gonna to go to Ertz in the red zone, we know it's gonna to go to Brown. It's not gonna go anywhere else. So it's 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 a very simple offense to to cover against. You cover the screen, you cover the short passes. You bring up the DBs as much as possible and you effectively blitz and you press and and you do that to force Kyler to make the throws. Now, he has not been as good as he normally is Kyler Murray. You look at last season where he was potentially an MVP candidate very early on and you look at where he is now, he's not there, but it's not on Kyler Murray. You know, he is not playing to the strengths that he has and this coach is not playing to his strengths. It's just, it's not a good match. And I think it would not shock me that Cliff Kingsbury was sacked at the end of this season. It just wouldn't shock me because they're not going to, they're not going to challenge. They're not going to challenge for for the NFC. It's, they're just not, they might squeak into the playoffs because the NFC is that bad, but they're not going to go very far. They're not going to, then they're, they're not a team that Philadelphia, um, Dallas, you, you could talk about the Giants. The Giants aren't going to fear him. Bucks no. aren't going to fear him. No one's going to fear them no No, half decent defense is not going to fear the arizona cardinals and when you don't have that fear you've got no chance
7: no absolutely not not by that time of the year when you know even new defenses like with the vikings the team i follow like um with a new defensive coordinator new personnel on defense but once like um They've played seventeen matches. They're more than gelled. They're not going to be worried about the Cardinals. And after watching them for a whole year, knowing what they're going to do, um, no. it's 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 all on Hopkins when he comes back. To be fair, but should we dive into Week Six a little bit? Um, yeah, yeah. Tell us a few bits that surprised you, mate.
6: I mean, there were there are a few things. One was Robbie Anderson, right, having the altercation. So we've talked about that. I was surprised that. After what happened with Antonio Brown last season, I'm surprised that a player thought that they could challenge a coach and win. Like, I just think it's only going to go one way. Maybe that's what he wanted. He's got what he wanted. He's got moved to a better team without having to take a pay cut. Everything worked out for Robbie Anderson. So maybe that's what he wanted. Maybe, you know, we're not giving him enough credit. I think for me...
7: Yeah, i'm I'm I mean, a little bit upset that he never had the shirt off and he was running around <laughs> cheering up all the fans to be honest done a proper ab but it was close enough weren't it
6: yeah i mean you can't have multiple digs and, and listen i we know steve wilkes isn't an nfl coach he's he's had that audition he failed miserably as a one and done in arizona so we know that he's not good enough but at the same point you've got to respect the process and for me it's an interesting one because it now looks like Carolina in a full-blown tank. They look like they're going to trade Christian McCaffrey if they can get that deal done. They look, And to be honest, that's a wise move. If I was sitting here as the GM of the Carolina Panthers, that's exactly what I would do. I would move on Christian McCaffrey because he's got about one, maybe two years left at the peak. And you've got an excellent young defense, but your offense is shot. You're not going to be winning it in the next two years. So get what you can. Get your King's ransom. It's almost like playing dynasty fantasy football. Trade him now while he's worth something to a team that's going to contend. You know, I, there's half a dozen teams right now that will benefit from having Christian McCaffrey, um, and be a much better football team as a result. So it's clear that, you know, they're, 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 they're going to tank. They're going to trade him. They have traded Robbie Anson. They've got that big contract off the books, which is good. They haven't got a quarterback that's good enough to compete. Um, it wouldn't shock me if they shopped DJ Moore, to be honest. Um, yeah. But we'll see what happens. Uh, but they haven't got enough pieces to 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 contend. So why not trade them? Trade them all in. And 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 the reason I also go into why I think they're in a tank. We all knew the Matt Rule was on the hot seat from the from the get go. We knew that he had. I think I said it in the preseason. He had four to six games to save his job. He went in the middle of that, right? Not shocked he got fired. If you were that serious about this season, you'd have a coach lined up. This would have been done in the summer. You'd have prepped someone and gone, "Hey, just to let you know, if we get rid of Matt Rule, because it's 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 not exactly a secret that he's on playing for his job, if things don't start the way that we expect." we're going to come knock on your door and we're going to have something prepared because you you want to prep you know there's head coaches out there who who could warrant a, a job right now and they didn't do that <laughs> because you got Steve Wilkes there Sunday i expect Steve Wilkes to remain there for the rest of the season that says to me we we're, we're going to tank but it's not the smart thing if you're going to tank because you've got a coach who is Incentivized to win, because Steve Wilkes is playing for another head coaching job. He's going to try and win. So the only way you can really successfully tank is to get rid of all the star players. Um, And that's what I think they're going to do, and just say to Steve, look, results are results. Do what you can. Don't worry about it. Put yourself in the window for next year to be the head coach. But I think the smarter thing I would do if I was Caroline GM is I would hire a coach and say, look, just do what you can this year. Don't worry about it. We're just going to rebuild from scratch. Um, But Probably not an attractive job right now. We'll see what happens, but that shot me a little bit with what happened. Uh, Kenyon Drake being as efficient as he was now. Um, J.K. Dobbins got hurt, left the game, left the game. which is uh, frustrating if you own J.K. Dobbins because you've waited all this time yeah. for him to come back, and hopefully it's not that serious. But 119 yards off uh, off just ten carries is and is is quite impressive. And uh, I had a few people who had uh, some bets on i can't remember who it was uh but they bet on somebody to be the leading uh i think it's Brees hall to be the leading russia in football yesterday across the slate of games and he was second behind kenyan drake and that annoyed a lot of people um but it also shows you the state of the russian game right now that kenyan drake is the number one rusher in the week with 10 carries and 119 yards you know we used to Uh, running backs putting up 140 150 160 yard performances and it it didn't really happen yesterday so that it shocked me that he was as efficient because he's been not overly active he's not shown any real signs of gelling with that offense and, and and breaking these big runs so that's interesting especially now gus edwards potentially comes back next week or the week after uh, and then and, and David and Juku's role shrinking significantly. I was a bit surprised to see his decline. Um, and there's some reasons for that. We'll get into it. But that, that kind of shocked me. Well, what about you, mate? What were, the, what were some of the things that you think uh, sort of stood out for you in, in week four, uh, week six?
7: Yeah, I mean, the uh, Ken, Kenyon Drake performance is what we wanted when we drafted him in the first round in 2020, right? But... Um... The the big one for me, and it's because obviously I watch the game um, a lot more closely than some of the others, but it's how well and how QB-proof it seems that Tyreek especially, and even Jalen Waddle are. So Tyreek obviously had 42 points in PPR in week two with Tua. But then 29.7 yesterday with a mix of the rookie and uh, Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater... He's a wide receiver six so far um, on the season in PPR, but a, a lot of people were fading him in the offseason because he didn't have Patrick Mahomes no more. He didn't have that other, like, you know, with Travis Kelsey, who takes a lot away from Tyreek as well, like that elite talent. And w- Waddle, he is, like, fitted in perfectly with him. He had 40 points in week two with Tua, but I think he him more than Tyreek could do with having Tua back But he still put up nearly 17 yesterday in PPR after a couple of off weeks kind of thing. But I think he was carrying a little bit of a knock as well. But, um, yeah, just that Dolphins' offense could be a bit scary. Even Mostert's doing a a few bits here and there. Um, I think it helps with, obviously, Mike McDaniel there. But, yeah, just how well Tyreek has done and how QB-proof he is. And then... Yeah. Deion Jackson. I mean, I... Now, go on, carry on.
6: No, no, no I was going to say like, yeah, I, I I see what you mean with with Tariq. I, mean, I wouldn't go as far as say he's, he's he's QB proof. I mean, like, uh, yeah, it's a good performance yesterday, and but they're very narrow tree. Like, if you look at the Dolphins, it's it's a very easy fantasy offer to to work out. Now, it's it's literally ignore everybody except for two. when he's back is a low end well he's probably a high end QB2 then you've got they've almost turned into I'm trying to think of a really good command, sort of the Colts of a couple of years ago where you, you, you play the quarterback on a situational basis you've got the two wide receivers there uh, in Hill and Waddle who both of them have wide receiver one upside every single week uh, because they're going to be fed and force fed a, a ton of volume um, and then Raheem Mostert's a, a low-end RB2, RB3 play, and you can ignore absolutely everybody else in that offense. And I think they benefit from the fact there's not a lot of competition for targets or a lot of competition for, basically, for offense. And I think they are proof that opportunity and volume just mean so much more than talent. we am not saying they're not talented players, but... <laughs> The one thing that people were worried about with Waddle when Tyreek came was the volume, and the one thing that's maintained is is the volume. So, yeah, I mean, I think any player could potentially be QB proof if they get the kind of volume that Tyreek Hill and um, and Jalen Waddle get. That's my kind of one take on it. I'm not necessarily, and this isn't an anti-Dolphins tribe. You play, you good with all your best players. It's it's not a difficult game, really. Um, They're just doing what what. they should be doing which is you know Tyreek Hill got 15 targets yesterday uh, with 12 receptions I mean that's just bonkers in terms of
2: usage um the HIV epidemic is not over HIV is still here
0: the face of HIV is so diverse
2: the biggest thing
3: to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today
4: Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County.
1: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyumc.org. We
0: are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health.
4: We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door.
3: So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking
2: about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy.
3: Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County.
1: Your sexual health matters. Visit do it for you, mc. org.
6: He's not going to get that kind of volume every week, but check down is that's kind of what he he does best but they also, you got to remember, they lost the game <laughs> ultimately it doesn't matter for fantasy but if they're going to keep losing games at the rate that they are, uh, they did only put up 16 points and did struggle to move the ball a lot of it's penalties and discipline, there's a lot of players in that team that, that are struggling right now um, I mean they had a drive where they had what, a first and 30 then they went to third and 34 <laughs> I mean, it's just bonkers. So, yeah, yeah, I see your point. But I, 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 wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say they are necessarily sort of give me proof. I just think if they're getting that kind of volume that that they were yesterday, um, I mean, you're just looking at, at at what they did between them and and who else is is getting that kind of uh, who's getting the ball in in that offense. It's really only three players. It's it's actually similar. Yeah, like I said, the Vikings uh, of a couple of years ago and uh, a few other players, but. Uh, yeah if you, look, if you look at the targets like yesterday you've got uh receiving so you got tyree kill 15 targets Jalen waddle 10 um there are only 30 um sorry there were 30 completions there were 47 so 25 of the 47 went to those two players and then mike kazicki weirdly got seven targets and two touchdowns which uh, it annoyed me as someone who drafted quite a bit of Kizuki and then dropped him everywhere. Um, but then, yeah, you've got, you know, River River Crancroft got one. And be honest, never heard of him. Tanner Connor got two targets. So, you know, it really is just everything's going through those two guys. Uh, and as you said, when most uh, he's getting 14, 15 carries. If he can get himself some, some additional targets, he becomes a, a decent sort of RB2 volume player every week
7: it's the, the reason why I wasn't worried about Tyreek, like how some people was with Waddle there and then people was worried about Waddle because Tyreek was coming is pretty much because of that Like, and then they was worried about that it's Tua, just the quarterback and things but they are they're there, they've got the volume and they're both good enough to break off them huge runs, obviously Tyreek after the catch is unbelievable, probably one of the best in the league but yeah, I just think um, I, th- I think they're good For the rest of this year Next year when we get there and all that But Dion Jackson Was it my my second one 28.1 PPR points in week Six as the lead back Now in, in Week five he had 91 scrimmage Yards which Went very under my radar at least I don't know if you uh, picked up on that or But Yesterday, he, he caught the ball 10 times for 79 yards. So he's a legit pass catcher. I say it a lot, but with PPR, points mean prizes. If you've got someone catching the ball, especially out the backfield, you're laughing. You know, you've got the, like the Austin, Ecklers, Leonard Fournette, CMC. They can use their hands out the backfield, catch a shed load of passes. And he's another one of them. Now, the, the thing for the rest of the season... If Naheem Hines come back, he may not have a role when Jonathan Taylor's there as the lead back. How well Dion Jackson was as a pass catcher yesterday, especially, Um, that's, that's where I'm at with Dion Jackson. He really impressed me yesterday.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, there was definitely some interesting uh, things with, with, with Jackson. You know, as you say, 10 targets. Wouldn't expect that too much from a... Uh, a player in the backfield, especially with an offense that that's struggling like they like the Colts have been, but they seem to have come alive. Um, I think with the, a couple of things I would say about yesterday's performance when looking at the running backs, um, especially Dion Jackson is first of all, the the Jags uh, very good in pass coverage this season. Um, so have given up a few up the middle and as a result, you know, I thought it was good, good, coaching there from Frank Reich to identify weakness and, and really hammer it. Um, and I think on top of that, I think just in terms of, it was interesting because you Paris Campbell got a significant amount of workload. They, they spread it across a lot of guys. I think, um, I can't remember. I mean, like how many did he throw? I mean, Matt Ryan, he threw the ball 58 times yesterday. Like, um, I think game script really comes into it here because, they were behind, like, two touchdowns early. They fought back, fought back, and you know, credit to them, they they got the win. Um, but I don't think you'll see Matt Ryan throwing the ball 58 times. But as you said, it, it's now interesting to see, does he get that role from Naheem Hines? That's one to watch um, to see if they do more out of that backfield and, and start using that. And maybe that's a sign to give the ball to jonathan taylor more because they they've not been very good at feeding him as much as they should have done um but yeah great performance from from jackson great performance and great comeback from the from the colts yesterday um be interesting to see what happens uh going forward and whether or not they they incorporate jackson more and this is the end of Hines or or is Hines going to come back and and this is going to be sort of jackson's day in the sun uh, i guess we'll find out
7: because it was a uh... 2020, when I think Heinz finished as the like PPR RB 15 or something like that. Um, yeah, Taylor's uh... of the year, and I'm sure I'm sure it was uh, 15 or 14. He finished on the year, but like it, if Jackson has that sort of usage, how we had yesterday, because it very efficient with it as well. Obviously, like um, 7.9 yards per catch is good for from the backfield. Like I mean, but shall we? Uh... Move on to the next part. So, like, what what have you learnt from week six? What is something that you know now going forward? What to expect?
6: Yeah, so there's a few things here, and what we're trying to do is work out why potentially good offenses aren't doing very well, right? Um, So, one of the big things for me right now is looking at Aaron Rodgers, and then you know, I was having this with Liam yesterday, saying you know, a bit a bit worried worried about his arm. Saw him in London, didn't think the arm strength was anywhere near where it used to be. Um, definitely under-throwing players. Um, Liam was saying to me that it was more, yesterday was more the finger. Um, and that that might be the case. But actually, Rogers is, Rogers is heavily regressed. And part of that is going to be, you know, he doesn't have Devontae Adams, so that's quite natural. But actually, it's just down to Rogers as a player, right? So his passer rating over 20 yards is is genuinely dreadful. Like it's awful. So when he's passing, sort of to over twenty yards to the left hand side, um, his passer rating is twenty four point one. Now the league average is, and for that throw is seventy eight point four. So he is fifty four points below the league average passer rating for throwing twenty yards or more to the left hand side. Over the middle, he's slightly better, 39.6. League average is 86.2. So again, you're still looking at he's almost 50 50 points off the pace of just the average QB. And then to the right, he's better still, 51.3 to 70.8. And so trying to understand where Green Bay, what they're trying to do, Matt LaFleur and, uh, and everybody, we're, we're trying to understand what they're attempting to do. Ultimately, the throws have not been there. Rogers isn't making them uh, a lot of incompletions. You know, he's only completed when we talk about deep passes. So this is passes over 15 yards. He's only made 13 completions over 15 yards this season um, out of uh, 45. So 13 out of 45 is not a great percentage to be working from to begin with, but they're high, you know, they're low percentage strikes, you know, so it's lower than average, but it's not necessarily alarming. It's more the volume and the fact of the lack of completions, the lack of attempts, seeing that kind of uh, lack of attempts over 15 yards says to me that internally they know that there's throws that Aaron Rodgers cannot make anymore. Um, and they're trying to adapt on the fly as opposed to being fully prepared for this. And then you have this diminishing sort of talent core of of wide receivers. And then it's just getting to the point of I've learned now that you cannot really take a Packers wide receiver for really a granted guaranteed finish. Like, with all the injuries right now, it's quite easy to slot Alan Lazard in your lineup. It's quite easy to slot Romeo dubs in your lineup, but actually when, if everybody's everybody's fit fit and fit and and you've got Michael Thomas coming back, you've got Keenan Allen coming back and you, you're playing these start sit decisions and Alan Lazard's in that conversation, he's going to fall down the wayside. And a lot of that is just down to a couple of factors. One, Lot of drops. You know, they made five drops yesterday as a receiving core out of thirty-four catchable passes. That's not going to help. But then it's just in general things like yards per route run. So Devontae Adams last year had two point eight yards uh, per route run, which is a huge amount. He's he's doing an awful lot of work, and what he's doing there is he's pulling runs, he's testing the defense, he's stretching the D, and he's making plays. You're not expecting anyone to replicate Devontae Adams because if you had that, then you'd be fine. But no one's necessarily expecting them to. But what they've done is effectively abandoned trying to replace him and just going, we're we're just going to put the ball in the middle of the field and hope that that's enough. So Alan Lazard, for example, 1.57 yards per route run, Romeo Dobbs, uh, 1.23 yards per route run. It just isn't going to get it done from a fantasy perspective those kind of numbers you're you're relying on touchdowns in order for them to be significant fantasy relevant players so i guess you know that's something that i've learned and dug into that if i have a wide receiver for green bay on my roster i am i'm concerned um and the same goes for russell wilson
2: you know i'm concerned looking at his numbers now
1: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforumc.org.
4: I
6: started digging into reasons why Russell Wilson potentially hasn't been good. It's a very similar sort of story. Um, I'm not saying his arm is gone, but there is a severe lack of continuity and connection with his receiving core. Um, he's completed just 11 passes over 20 yards this season um, with two TDs and two interceptions. Uh, last season, over the last five games, those numbers were up around 15, 16, with three or four in this, uh, touchdowns and fewer interceptions. Um, you're looking at, there's some things that are consistent, i.e. it's time to throw is about the same behind the line. So you can't sit here and blame it. In fact, it's time to throw is even longer this year, 2.83 seconds to 2.8 seconds. So we can't blame the offensive line for the struggles that Russell Wilson's having. It's purely, a, he's not on the same page with the receiving core and whether that's scheming coaching talent could be a combination of all of them to be perfectly honest with you but his completed air yards uh, have gone down significantly um but it's his expected completion percentage and this is where it does lay a little bit on on him uh so last year his com- expected completion percentage uh, so completion percentage That was expected versus achieved. He was in a positive number 0.2%. So It's not much, but basically he made the throws that he was supposed to make and completed. them. And that's what that stat is telling you this season. It's down at minus 6.3, which is a huge gap. Like he's significantly off the pace. He's got one of the worst expected completion percentages in the NFL right now. And then that knockdown effect is, do I want to be playing Judy Sutton, it's it's a hard one. Sutton, you probably will on volume, but you're more cautious about starting these players because that offense just isn't working right now. It's you know you know you're not going to get those cheap touchdowns, the ones that make Amon, You know you're not going to get those ceiling plays. You know at the point now, you're looking at at Courtland Sutton and the Jerry Judy as floor plays, not ceiling plays, because that offense isn't stretching the field. You're not getting those big plays. You're not getting those big touchdowns that you're getting from the Jags offense or you're getting from the Detroit offense that are getting a ton of these big plays. And that's the concern, is when you're looking at these players and you're getting to your start of we're six weeks in. We should be seeing some progress. The fact that the, there's regression in both of these quarterbacks and both of their offenses if you have a lot of these players, you're deeply concerned and you should be, and you should now have to think about how you're going to um, relate this over the, the course of the season and, and think about course correction for Green Bay. It's easier. You didn't pay that much for Lazard or Dubs or anyone else. It's very easy to move on when you've forked out for uh, Judy or Sutton and you've paid high draft picks. You know, you've got to find a way to pivot away from relying on those numbers and um,
7: so there's the of land. Just about to say, it's it's worse in Denver with the situation that Russ has than it is for Aaron Rodgers. Even though they're both very similar at the moment, because of the receiving core that Russ has in Denver. So he's gone from Seattle, where he had, obviously he's got Lockett and Metcalf, and you know a half decent run game and whatever else, to Denver, who's Sutton and Judy, who are both still very talented wide receivers and an even better run game. Obviously, Javante Williams has gone down and whatever else. But there's there's no reason. Well, there is a reason somewhere. But what is it why Russ ain't doing what he should be? And um, it's frustrating, to say the least.
6: Yeah, and I think part of this is a bit of predictability in the play calling. So I've been looking at some stats to understand how Denver are lining up. Um, So let's let's look at, for example, um, first down so they line up under center about two-thirds of the time versus shotgun that's not too bad like it that's about par um on second down that's 50 50 so it's good that keeps you guessing are they gonna pass are they gonna run and it's pretty uh pretty balanced uh offense as a result but on third down they go in a shotgun almost all the time almost exclusively which is tipping the hand of the of the of the of the defense really because what they're doing is they're able to understand well if russ is in shotgun then we know he's going to pass the ball um and they pass the ball a lot on third down so if i'm just looking down at their stats and just pulling them up now um they pass on third down a huge amount um so they've 151, oh, that's last season's, uh, excuse me. So Denver this season have passed the ball 55 times uh, on third down. And then when you look at what they do when they uh, run on third down, it is... should have prepared this beforehand just nine times nine times they've run they've run the ball nine times on third down so it's telegraphing like if you're if you're understanding as much as you can, like i'm pulling these stats up on the fly so i'm not even an offensive i'm not even a defensive coach and i can tell you that almost exclusively because they're lining up in shotgun they're passing the ball you know, 70, 80% of the time on third down. That makes it so much easier to defend if you're not going to bother trying to run the football. So it's those sorts of things that are hurting Russ. But Russ has got to make plays. Um, He's got to make plays. He's not making plays, which isn't helping, but he's not being helped by his coaching staff. And we're starting to understand now Nathaniel Hackett Has he got a job off the back of Aaron Rodgers in his prime or is he actually an offensive genius? I jury's out. Six weeks in, people are probably leaning towards the fact that he's probably more of a fraud than a success. And he hasn't got long. Because if he doesn't solve this problem and it's a battle between Russell Wilson or (laughs) or him, he's gonna lose. So it's it's you know, you've got to look at it and think they need to get to the bye week They need to get to the bye week quickly. They need to reset. They need to work out what they're going to do because it's too predictable. It's too predictable. What they're going to do. Defenses, they're tipping the hand to, to opposing defenses who are working out what they're doing. And until they start varying up the play calls, start varying up the offense and start playing to similarly to what we were talking about with, with Arizona play to Ross's strengths, which is yeah. let him be a bit mobile let him get away from the pocket and let him be dangerous, then we can start to see plays develop. But also, Russ needs time with Sutton, with Judy. Judy, to me, is one of the best route runners in the NFL. If you look at the way that he runs routes, you saw it in college. He was a fantastic route runner. They need to incorporate and do that better, um, and they haven't. So really key that they start to understand to play to the strengths of the quarterback of the wide receiver core. But Nathaniel Hackett's got to do a better job. So it's, it's not yeah. all on Russ, even though Russ isn't making the plays. The play calling's tipping the hand of the D. And we know, and there's a few teams that are very similar right now where we're not seeing RPOs. We're not seeing differences in the way that they're scheming. And it's very samey-samey, which is why defences are winning ultimately, which is what we're seeing because they're seeing it on tape, as you said, and they're correlating it, and they know how to defend it. People know how to defend it, um, and they need to do something different. There's still plenty of time in the season, but they've got to do it quick.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's a little bit of everything in uh, Denver at the minute, but give us one more while we're here.
6: Just on, just to talk about coaching, right? So teams that have worked out Cleveland. So we saw Cleveland, it wasn't... Um, wasn't the best result for Hunt and Chubb yesterday. Um, so, what we're seeing across the season now is that teams are basically gone. Jacoby Brissett's not going to pass the ball that often. We're not. We're not going to fear. The only way that the Browns are going to beat us is if they steamroll us with Chubb and Hunt. So, what teams are doing now is they're stacking the box. They're playing eight defenders in the box uh, against Chubb and Hunt. Um, they're seeing a stack box, 29% of their attempts, which is a huge amount. There's a huge amount to stack the box. You know, traditionally, a running back would probably see in the region of about 15%. So you're seeing almost double the amount of time. And that's because teams just don't, they don't respect the pass because it's Jacoby Brissett and Amari Cooper. And if they can shut that down, then happy days. So they're yeah. bringing more up. They're defending the run. Now, what that's resulting in is that Chubb and Hunt, are two of the three backs in the NFL with the longest time behind scrimmage, which means it's taking them longer to get a play developed um, and that is to cross through the line of scrimmage because one, they're receiving the ball so far behind the line of scrimmage so that they can see the hole um, and watch it develop but two, but they need the offensive line to create the hole in order to create the space. doesn't seem like it's overly relevant, but a good running back should be running that time in around under two seconds on average. So their time behind the line of scrimmage is over three seconds, which again is down the fact that teams are defending the box. They're stacking the box. They're needing more time. What's going to happen now is that teams have got wise even more, not just stacking the box, but they're now going to bring pressure from the outside to try and get the the tackles every which way they can because it's taking them so long on average to develop a play because they're even receiving the ball so far behind the line of scrimmage or they're waiting for the holder to develop. You invite pressure from the corners, from the edge. Um, and effectively, they're going to be treated as quarterbacks and they're going to be rushed a lot more. And we're starting to see this. And as a result of this, their efficiency and expected...
2: Uh, the HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here.
3: The face of
2: HIV is so diverse. The
3: biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today.
4: Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County.
1: Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org.
0: We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical
3: and mental health.
6: Because teams are wise to what's going, on. so Chubb, for example, for the season after yesterday, his average uh, yards uh, per expected attempt were one point nine seven yards. Uh, yesterday, it was uh, my it was zero point zero five yards. So he basically did what he was expected to do, um, and he's stopping that. They're stopping that efficiency. They're stopping those big gains. And basically, the way to stifle the Browns is stack the box, make Jacoby Brissett throw the football, don't let them get to the red zone. And if you stop all of those things, they don't score any points. And that is what we're seeing. The Patriots are very wise to it yesterday. Um, And other teams now have just seen how to beat the Browns. The Browns are a sitting duck. And they're effectively, their season, uh, it's another team we're talking about coaching. If you're an owner of Chubb right now, you're having to rely on him to be overly efficient, which is what we've seen. We've seen him be over-efficient on yards per expected, uh, over the yards per expected. So he's significantly outgained what he should have done. He's been overly efficient. Now those numbers are starting to trickle the other way, as we saw yesterday. And defenses that can stop the run and can stack the box and can stop that efficiency are going to stop this offense completely until Deshaun Watson plays. If you're a Nick Chubb owner, this is a concern because it's going to stop those big plays. It's going to stop those big runs. So we could be in a scenario where we've had the best days of Nick Chubb already. Having said that, you're probably not trading him because everyone else is so bad. And actually, Nick Chubb, 80% of what he was doing earlier in the season is still going to be a top five RB because the RB position is bad this year. So
7: Absolutely, and like you say, with the efficiency and people working out Cleveland now, it brings me to someone at a different position, Um, Christian Kirk. Now, he was saved by a touchdown yesterday, but that's three bad weeks on the trot he's had now. Is it... Yesterday, there's no excuse because Trevor Lawrence, he was back, he was firing, Um, you know, he put in a decent performance. The two weeks before that, he wasn't very good. So is it because... Christian Kirk has been worked out and the Jaguars have been worked out now after them first three weeks where he was firing on all cylinders, scoring touchdowns, 100-plus yards the first week. But he's still consistently playing over 90% of the snaps. But I think teams have worked out that route one in Jacksonville now in the passing game. So, like you say, with the coaching, it's going to be on Doug Pederson now. To come up with something to get Christian Kirk rolling again, the same way Stefanski's got to do it in Cleveland. He's got to get Brissette doing something different. They can't just wait for Deshaun to come back. Um,
6: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And um, he's not been helped because Zay Jones has been questionable, didn't play last week, did play this week. Jamal Agnew played, he's hurt. Marvin Jones hasn't played. So is really really hard because Christian Kirk has been phenomenal hasn't he he's been really yeah. really good this season um and it's really difficult because now he is really the only healthy genuine threat in that offense um when it comes to the receiving game so it's it's as you say it's pretty easy to defend you put two on him and you say you're banged up in the other positions see what you can do Evan Ingram's not doing anything Um, and they really need to think about what they're going to do. And actually, you would argue that maybe someone like Robbie Anderson might have been a better fit for the Jags uh, than for the Cardinals, because I think he probably could have done something significantly more. That's not to say that they probably wouldn't think about bringing somebody in. Um, But yeah, they do need to think about that, because if Marvin Jones is out for the long term um, or the medium term, and, and Agnew doesn't look like he's he's going to be back for a few weeks. So they are short at the wide receiver position. And they need someone out there. They need a healthy Zay Jones because he's been brilliant this yeah. season. And they need someone else out there. They, they need to run. They rely on a lot of that 11 personnel. Um, as you say, he's playing a lot of snaps, but five targets yesterday because he's not getting open. Um, and it's hard when he's the only healthy one. So... Need to, as you say, they need to be clever with how they scheme, but they actually just need well, they need bodies. They need bodies that are healthy who can, who can actually do things. And and you know Agnew looked like he was starting to progress and and do well, and now he's going to be out for a period of time. Yeah, they need Marvin Jones, and Marvin Jones isn't going to be a big fantasy guy, but actually he's yeah. the one that unlocks the potential for Christian Kirk to be that guy. Oh,
7: because Kirk, yeah. if,
6: if you look at the games in which both those players are played, this is Kirk's target numbers, 10, 6, 8, 9. Um, Marvin Jones goes down before week five, three targets in week five, five targets yesterday. And that's because it's it, it's, it's easy to defend, as we talked about. It's You put two on, on Kirk and you say, right, go to someone else.
7: Yeah. When and, and, it's going to etienne, it's going
6: to etienne that's all it's yeah. going to it's going to etienne and it's going to uh maybe a couple of other players but it, it's it's not they're not no one's scared no one's scared of what's going on there because they're not you know they're, they're not christian kirk and you know he's proven to be maybe not good value for money but he's proved to be a very good signing and everyone kind of scoffed at the money he got but he's starting to he started to repay that but as you say, they need to do a bit more uh, and hopefully they get some guys healthy to, to start doing that. And fingers crossed that will be sooner rather than later.
7: Absolutely. And um, Antonio Gibson is the only other one i wanted to talk about. For me, he is so close to being droppable now in redraft. His snap shares declined every week. His rushing attempts are really low now as well. He's not done anything in the receiving game since week one, even fielded a kick return yesterday, Murph. And, with Brian Robinson emerging now, 17 carries in Thursday night football, um, 60 yards and obviously his first touchdown. I didn't think it had happened so quickly um, mm. after what happened in the off-season, but it's fantastic to see Robinson back so quickly as well.
6: Yeah, I mean, first of all, really good to see someone who suffered uh, the way that he did um, to come back so quickly, which is which is really good. And and yeah, as you say, for Antonio Gibson, it was interesting because in the in the press afterwards, they did say they need to utilize Gibson more. But as you say, he's used to just been trending downwards and downwards every single week. Um, yeah, it's 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 a strange one. I, I don't think he's necessarily droppable only because the rest of the position is quite bad. But he is definitely RB three territory uh, and maybe even lower um, because, as you say, he's just not doing anything now. Um, you know, very, very few attempts uh, on Thursday Night Football, five attempts. But, you know, he ran for seven yards per attempt, which was quite good, right. really, um, considering by far his best of the season. But, yeah, needs to needs to play more. I don't think it's going to be very good. It's, he's not going to get the opportunities right now. The, the ideal scenario would be this. Brian Robinson keeps the role he's got. Antonio Gibson goes into that passing role, and J.D. McKissick gets kicked into touch. That's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> but that's the that would be the ideal. Well, I think you've got to hold. I think you got to hold Gibson, but you can't trade him. Like you're just stuck now. But I'd hold I, I him because you just never know what might happen. But might happen. yeah, as you say, he's, he's not startable at least for the next. No, uh, at least the next couple very, of years. very
7: very. He's very, very close to being droppable for me. That's that's what I was uh, getting at. It's like he's almost on his last sort of string now. We'll see how Robinson's uh, snaps and how many carries and stuff he gets and who gets used in the passing game. But let's have a look at any sort of statistical trends that we need to have a look at going forward. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers receivers. You men- mentioned Aaron Rodgers earlier.
6: Yeah, so I kind of talked about them already. I kind of wrapped the two in a one. So, just the fact that at the moment, I don't think you can really trust these guys unless you are really sure at the receiver position with injuries. You know, we're talking about 17 to 20 guys are on the injury report every single week. So, you know, you might be in a scenario where you need to play Lazard and you need to play uh, Dobbs, and, and that's fine. And if you're in those situations, then, then you have to do it. But, it, if you've got an entire healthy core, I can't see where you can rely on either of these guys being, um, being starters in your fantasy teams, uh, at least for the next, uh, you know, the next few weeks, because of the fact that the yards per route run, the a dot, everything that's all trending down. Aaron Rodgers not completing yards over 20, um, making completions over 20 yards. And the reason why they, that's important to someone like Lazard, because Lazard's the deep threat, you know, he's the one with high a dot. Yeah. He's uh, a dots over 13. So he's the deep threat. So if Aaron Rodgers is struggling to make the plays over 15, over 20 yards, and that's where Alan Lazard eats,
2: it it doesn't look
6: good for Alan Lazard. For Romeo Dubs, who plays more in the intermediate, uh, things look a bit fine, but you're relying on volume. Ultimately, this isn't looking like the most efficient uh, offense. And they're a team that have been in decline in red zone and touchdown efficiency ever since that high watermark of 2020 because they were over efficient, they went too far the other way, and uh, and now we're starting to see some some fallback. So, yeah, I just think if you if you've got a Packers receiver right now, I, if you can trade them off your roster for something interesting, I would be. Um, but ultimately, they're not going to be they're not going to be plays on your on your fantasy lineup barring uh, injuries over the next few weeks.
7: So just a quick one from a, a fantasy perspective, who would you like to see brought into green Bay as a type of wide receiver? Like um, obviously DJ Moore looks like someone who could be
6: traded for or one of the free agent vets. Honestly, no one, <laughs> no one, because I don't want anyone good to go there because I don't want them ruined. Because, um, there, there is a multitude of problems. One is, can we trust Aaron Rodgers' arm? He's not making the throws that he was making last season the season before.
0: We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental
4: health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door.
3: So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about
2: their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them.
3: Do it for you, Montgomery County.
2: Your sexual health matters.
1: Visit doitforyoumc.org.
6: is it play calling? Is it play design? Is it, there's a whole multitude of, of things going on to where this offense just is not working. It's just not no. working. So, and I don't think bringing in talent is going to help them now, not this season. Um, if you bought DJ Moore into this offense, DJ Moore is going to be just as bad as Romeo He's going to be not, he's not going to be a step up on Romeo dubs because Aaron Rodgers isn't making the plays the coaching staff is not scheming to the best of their ability to get these guys open. And when that happens, I don't want anyone to go there. It's fine. If there's a veteran out there, that's got a free agency contract. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a tap. Like it's so easy to say, well, Devontae Adams is gone. These guys aren't as good. Therefore it's the wide receivers problem. I don't think they're bad wide receivers. I think, Christian Watson is a very good player when healthy. I thought he was very good in college. Excelled during the senior bowl. Excelled during the the draft process. And he's a guy who can make a lot of catches. Um, and he catches a lot of those contested balls. Romeo Dubs has been a bit of a revelation. Alan Lazard has never been a bad player. You know, he's always been someone that's interested in fantasy players because he makes plays but he's a deep threat guy. And when you've got Devontae Adams there and makes all the plays, it's always going to be who's the second guy. Yeah. And now they're looking for someone to step up. Ultimately, what they need is they need a playmaker who makes plays and someone who's going to do all the work like Devontae Adams was doing. And they need that more than ever. I don't think DJ Moore's that guy. I think there's maybe five guys in the NFL that maybe walk into that situation and, and elevate it back to 2021 levels. And for me, that's like Diggs, Evers, (coughs) um, big contest guys who just maybe Tariq Hill because you could play him short, but these guys aren't going to go there, like ultimately. So for me, a DJ Moore doesn't walk in and improve the situation. And that's not a slight on DJ Moore at all. I just, I don't think, I don't think DJ Moore adds anything to what they've already got. And I don't think I don't think anyone does except for the elite level. I think what they need is an elite player and there isn't one available. Um, I think they needed they needed to draft one. They needed to get one of these guys in the draft. They needed to get an Alave. They needed to get uh, a Drake London. They needed to get a Garrett Wilson. That's what they needed yeah. to do. They needed one of those guys and this was the year to do it. And they missed. And that has got to be a failure of Brian Goodekunst. That's got to be a failure of the front office for not being aggressive enough with their trades to go up and get. They had the picks to do it. They could have done it, um but they didn't. And that's, they're paying the price now. And it was the most glaring need. We all knew it. We all were expecting it. We all expected them to trade up to get their guy, and they didn't do it. And ultimately, they paid the price. Or they could have got Adrian Brown. Didn't do that either. So...
7: Even all, all the way back in uh, 2020 when they drafted Jordan Love, they could have done with someone behind Adams who who could be brought on a little bit. But let's talk about Kenneth Walker because he looked good yesterday.
6: Kenneth okay, Walker did look good and people spent a lot of fab on him. Um, I'm going to pour a bit of cold water here on Kenneth Walker. right? So this it all went well for Kenneth Walker yesterday and he showed that he is ready for the opportunity. And I think all of that is is absolutely fine. Look, he dominated. Um, he outsnapped DJ Dallas. He dominated the early down work. But Kenneth Walker is not going to be a workhorse back, right? He's not going to be a workhorse back. So if you're sitting there looking at Kenneth Walker, thinking, "Great, he's a three down back. He's never coming off the field because he's only competing with DJ Dallas and, uh, and a few other guys," I, I'm sorry to tell you this, it's not going to happen. Um, DJ Dallas was heavily involved. Um, in the short yardage work, he was uh, pretty much 50-50 on the third down work, and he got all the uh, all the two minute drill work. So ten to nothing. So in the in the temp in the two minute drill, which is you know quite a significant portion, especially for this kind of Seattle offense who are going to be behind in a lot of games and need to run those two minute drills. DJ Dallas getting all of that work, which is you know what we've kind of been seeing. I mean, Rashard Penny dominated all the phases, uh, and Kenneth Walker hasn't done that. So that's a concern. Not it's one game. So you know we have to look at this in a in a in a isolation way. This could change this next week. week. Walker could dominate all the snaps uh, and dominate all the phases of play, but he isn't, and that's a concern because those two minute drills, third down work, they're the likely opportunities for touchdowns. Um. So right now. DJ Dallas doesn't look like a bad guy to add um, off the waiver wire. He's someone that you should stash because if something happens to Walker, he's got an injury record, he was injured in camp, then Dallas definitely steps up into a bigger role for one. But two, he looks like he's going to be... If he can get himself efficient and he proves that efficiency on on getting all of that two-minute drill work and he's getting a lot of third-down roll if he starts getting the goal line snaps, he almost becomes like the Jamal Williams of that offense. And it's almost like that's the guy you should own because it looks like Ken Walker is going to do all the dirty work. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Just from yesterday in the usage, there is a concern that that Ken Walker is not going to get the touchdowns that everyone's kind of hoping he's going to get and uh, maybe DJ Dallas just creeping there in the wings, he's someone I'd be putting in low bids for. Just little bits here and there, just to see what happens. Because if the usage stays the same, DJ Dallas is the back I'd rather own, because he's not going to have all of the usage that we would want, but he is going to have a very interesting role that's going to score fantasy points and might make him flex relevant over bye weeks. Um, There's just been some breaking news from Mike Garafolo saying that Carson Wentz is going to be out for four to six weeks and they're considering putting him on injured reserve. So So maybe Gibson maybe stays in play that little bit longer (laughs) because they might have to run the ball more.
7: Absolutely, especially like um, Ron Rivera knows what he's going to get from uh, Taylor Heineke already. Do they give Sam Howell a little go? Who knows? But just heading back to Kenneth Walker quickly. So it potentially seems to me like the Seahawks have been a little bit cautious with him. After, obviously, with uh, Chris Carson, he had to retire early and things like that. He has got the potential to be very good in the NFL. And I think it was perfect, almost, as the one-two punch with Rashad Penny, who's injury-prone and he's gone for the year again, sadly. Do you think Walker will be limited that way with DJ Dallas there the whole year? Or... Do you think they might even add someone else to the mix, or what What do you think for the rest of the year?
6: They're not going to add anyone. Um, I definitely don't see them adding anyone. Um, they've still got... Um, who have they got to come back? They've still got Travis Homer come to come back. back. So, and they like yeah. him a fair bit, and he might even get involved and convolute the situation even more. Um, so, the telling part to me... Was Ken Walker wasn't getting any gains on Rashard Penny before the injury. So if if this was a case of Rashard Penny in week three, week four, week five, was getting the early down work, the um, you, you know the short yardage work, and then Ken Walker was getting the share of third down work and the two minute drill i'd go well this is just scheme so i'm not worried um but that didn't happen so Rashad penny dominated all the phases every time that a running back was quite touch the ball he got almost exclusively the majority of the work in all the phases of the game the two minute drill the short yardage, the third down work, he dominated all the snaps in all those areas. Not didn't have a 100% workload, but he dominated every phase. He was the majority back in all of those phases. And that's not the case with Ken Walker. This could be a case of him then bringing him on slowly because he missed camp, he missed time, and they're just building him on slowly. And that could very well be a case. But the fact it's week six, the fact that this situation has occurred and the fact he's still not dominating... my gut instinct says that dj dallas holds on to a role um and dj dallas is someone who could become a thorn in the side of ken walker this season going forward in dynasty very different i think ken walker's got a good outlook i think there'll be a change in coaching staff and i think philosophies and then we'll see what happens to ken walker but i'm just if 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 it was me so me last week was not spending my fab on ken walker Because I just thought I went out and grabbed a load of DJ Dallas because I just thought we're going to see very similar to what we see in Detroit where you've got two backs, one serves as a majority role um, who's going to carry and do the the dirty stuff. And the other one is going to get the opportunity roles, the high value touches. And that's kind of where I see the situation right now. Talk to me in a week or two when we've got more data I might change my mind completely. But right now, yeah. DJ Dallas looks like he's he's gearing towards those high-value touches, not Ken Walker. And that says to me that his ceiling is going to be capped.
7: Let's just quickly talk on another backfield that is very much split. So it seems almost like Akers could be heading out the door at the Rams. I personally don't have any of him. What would you be doing with him? And who do you see... Going forward, obviously you've got Darrell Henderson was the clear lead back yesterday. But they've got Kieran Williams, the rookie there. What 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 do you see happening there?
6: So I think I think when you look at there's a couple of different scenario questions in there. What do you do with Cam Akers? We've well, got to hold him. not playing for LA again that's that that ship has gone right he's not going to play another down for the LA Rams so the question is does he get traded and it looks like there's a few good running backs on the block so it could be hard for him to find a home but he is on a rookie contract he's quite inexpensive you could acquire him pretty cheaply because they know they they need him gone so you're talking about a fifth round pick or or later for a cheap rookie deal contract um maybe this is something carolina might use as a bridge who knows it could be another team houston you gotta hold him and see what happens yeah i mean i i don't see houston doing it because i don't think houston are expecting to do much um but i think there's a few teams that could be interested in getting an additional piece um you look at maybe someone like the saints or a wild card here what happens with kamara is he going to get a ban Um, If so, does he voluntarily take the ban this season because they're not going to make the playoffs? Um, Atlanta, they're short a running back. Maybe they might think, well, we're winning games. Maybe we just spin it up and try and get someone like Akers. There's a few teams here that are sort of in the mix for running backs. And Cam Akers looks a really good risk-free option to a lot of teams. So... I think you hold him and you see where he lands. Now he, he could land into a really garbage situation. He could land in Tampa and you go, all right, I'm done. I'll cut him. Um, and that could happen. Like it, yeah. it wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility that the Rams, uh, that the Bucks decide that they're going to get another offensive weapon for the sake of it. Uh, and not use him. Um, I doubt that happens, but that could happen. But I, I, I mean, I don't think that happens, but I'm just saying it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the biggest shock I've ever seen. And in which case, then Cam Akers doesn't have a role. You can bin him. Um, so I think you've got to wait and see where he goes. As for what happens with this backfield, there's a few different areas you've got to think about. The first is that, yes, Henderson dominated all the ways that we expect, but there, there's always no competition for him on that roster right now. Kyron yeah. Williams is the guy they drafted. Kyron Williams is coming back in a week or two after the bye. It will be interesting to see how that dynamic shifts. Um I would expect Kyron Williams to be the one B back. I would expect him to get a significant amount of work. Uh, when I say significant, I, I mean that in jest because the Rams don't really run the football. Uh, they're the thirtieth ranked team in uh, in rushing yards. Um, sorry, thirty first in rushing attempts per game in twenty twenty two. So even with so even with uh, Kyron Williams maybe getting work. It's still a low-volume backfield. I wouldn't really be expecting Tyron Williams to do anything more than be a uh, handcuff. That could be a borderline flex play some weeks. Um, But Henderson at this moment, you you can ride him for the next couple of weeks uh, and make the most out of that. But we know Henderson gets hurt. We know he gets injured. um, But it is a low-volume attack. So... Uh, enjoy it while it lasts but it will definitely go away and Henderson is if like for me right now if someone came in for Darrell Henderson um, I'm selling him all day long I'll get what I can because it's a wonderful opportunity because you can sell him right now as well, he's got no competition he's dominating all the snaps he's got all the opportunity there's no one there on the roster that's going to take anything away from him but in two weeks time that's not going to be the case uh, they will bring someone in or Carol Williams will get the role. So uh yeah, I, I'd sell high on Henderson right now if I if I could, but uh yeah, it looks like for now he's gonna he's gonna dominate for the next week or two. So maybe you, you hold a week and see what happens.
7: And that's if you don't pick up um, some sort of injury that sidelines him for a few weeks as well. But well, let's go. have a little look at the jet situation. Elijah Moore didn't get a target yesterday. What's going on there, Murph?
6: Yeah, so, you know, Elijah Moore is, is, is someone who's been trending downwards. I've talked about Elijah Moore uh, on this show a few weeks ago saying it's Garrett Wilson season. Garrett, uh, Garrett Wilson's going to be the guy that uh, is taking over. But actually, Corey Davis has, has been a part of that as well, um, as has um, Braxton Berrios. And so when you look at Elijah Moore, um, his target rate is just absolutely uh through the floor right now, 12.2%. It's the lowest of the four uh, wide receivers on the roster, the top four that you would say. He's only playing about 60% of the snaps. Um He only played on 14 of 21 possible passing plays. Most of that's in 11 personnel. Um, and it's actually Braxton Berrios that's eating into a share, which is never a good sign. Zach Wilson's used Braxton Berrios reasonably well we saw this down the stretch last year Braxton Berrios was actually fantasy relevant uh, down the stretch so it's not the news that uh, Elijah Moore fans would have wanted I I think you're at the point now in redraft that Elijah Moore is is cut a ball I think there's enough players out there that you can rely on to get you points that Elijah Moore is not going to happen he's behind Wilson Davis and Berrios now Yes, he might have the odd spike week, but you're going to get annoyed trying to chase it. So I think you can cut Elijah Moore. Uh, In Dynasty, you've got a whole different problem. Um, I don't know what you do with Elijah Moore in Dynasty because he's worth nothing right now. So if you're going to trade him on, pens on the dollar. But the worry is, and I hope this doesn't happen because I really like the player, he's the new Denzel Mims.
7: (laughs) And if you want to know what to do with Elijah Moore in Dynasty... Send it into five yard dynasty for their mailbag for tomorrow night. But DJ Moore, we touched on him earlier a little bit. Um, what, what do you see happening with him? So obviously Matt Rule got fired and whatever else. But I, I was really high on him before the season. What what is going to be the rest of his year, Murph?
6: Um, it's a tough one. So I talked about a few weeks ago saying that actually his usage is, is going up. And, and then actually yesterday, he had a 33% target share. So you look at the peripherals and think it's actually all going nicely, but only 21 pass attempts. Um, but more is now with Anderson gone. They're not going to bring in anyone else, I don't think. Um, there is a replacement on the roster for Anderson. It'll be next man up. I think it's good news for, for Anderson uh, for more. I think he gets more work he needs a quarterback he he needs to have some stability uh you know if you think for dj moore he's been there four years five years he's had a different offensive coordinator pretty much every season that's not helped the peripheral numbers are good like in terms of target share the volume's not quite been there two things need to happen for dj moore to be more fantasy relevant than he is right now one they've got to run more plays 42 plays they ran uh, yesterday not going to cut it they need to be running as i said before they need to be running close to 60 65 plays that's kind of what we need carolina offense to do um if christian mccaffrey goes off this roster then it really is the elijah moore show um, sorry the dj moore show i've got elijah moore in my head um everything shoots up so right now you know dj is a good hold because it should all fall into place. I don't see him leaving this roster. I do think he's there uh, for the rest of the season. And I think as a result, you're looking at him thinking, if if CMC goes, Anderson's gone, there's not a whole lot of competition. Um, but there's enough competition, say, in Terrence Marshall Jr. to run decoys to, um, to take that threat away and, and someone who, who will therefore we won't get this Christian Kirk scenario that you will be able to get some usage out of him, but we need Baker Mayfield back. And as much as that pains me to say it to get some efficiency out of there, or we need Sam Donald. We need someone who could throw the football consistently in the right area for DJ more to flourish, but the rest of the, the, the usage in the peripheral numbers are pretty good. Um, we just need a bit of consistency at the quarterback position. And if we get that, you know, more is uh, a top, 40 player i mean unfortunately you're not going to get the value that you return or, or what you you draft him in the fifth round he's not going to return that but he will have top 24 weeks purely you're on those you'll have those sort of eight 10 12 eight, catch games it's but eight, it's not gonna uh, it's a very pretty games
4: but it's not gonna be uh, it's a very pretty yeah,
7: that's a sad one for me because I was extremely high on him, especially in like uh, running back heavy starts to my drafts. Um, it's bit me, but it is what it is. This another one that I-, I may have moved the other way on too early because he was one of my favourite rookies coming out and I think I sold far, t- well, dropped even, not even uh, moved him anywhere. Far too early in re-draft leagues where I've had a bad start is Alec Pearce. Um The last few weeks, he- he's been there for Matt Ryan, hasn't he?
6: Yeah, not so much this week. Um, it's really this is more to alleviate concerns. Um, Paris Campbell had a huge day: eleven targets, seven catches for fifty-seven yards and a touchdown. Um, but listen, as I said, Matt Ryan threw the ball fifty-eight times just late. That's not going to happen every week. Uh, Alec Pierce is definitely the uh, wide receiver two on this team, um, and he is for me wide receiver three range for the rest of the season as a top thirty-six player. Um, he, you know, there's good numbers, there's good usage. Um, he's not going to stick at that twelve percent target share. He's going to so be upwards of that, upwards sort of that. eighteen to twenty-two percent target share is what I was expecting okay. to be for the rest of the season. Um, but it's good to see the Colts' offense starting to stimulate and get get some life in it. Um, I think once uh, JT comes back uh, and they have a bit of balance to this offense, I think that helps Pierce not hurt him. It's one of those weird scenarios that actually less passing volume helps him because of where he is in the in the depth chart. So I think and game script is important. You know, they're not going to be behind two two touchdowns early that often. Um and I think, you know, when they're trying to control games, they'll control it through uh, Alec Pierce um and and Pittman. They'll use them as a balance. So uh expect you know expect good things from from Pierce going forward. Like I said, there's a wide receiver three play for the rest of the season.
7: Yeah, it was a rough start for the Colts this year and anyone on their um, roster that you had in fantasy. But let's talk about one of your boys, um, Rashad White.
6: Yeah. So White, I've been telling all, all season, he's not a thing. And then people got really excited by his cameo in week four. Uh, you just need to cut him off your roster if you're in redraft. They just don't run the football um, enough, especially after the first down. So... Buccaneers have only run the ball 127 times this season. It's ranked them 29th in the NFL. Um, 58% of that has been on first down. Um, and that's where Fournette eats. You know, it's Fournette territory. So uh, 74 of those 127 attempts have been on first down. Um, 31 attempts, so further 24% have been on second down. So almost exclusively, you're talking about 105 of 127 attempts have been dominated in the um in the Leonard Fournette area. So it leaves just 18 rushes on third down, which is just isn't, it isn't a high enough uh, sustainable role for Rashad white. And he will get a few receptions here and there, but the bottom line is he's not going to get enough volume in this offense to be fantasy relevant. Might have the odd spike week, like you saw in, in, in KC, um, where they just throw a load of balls and just see what happens. But, um, Yeah, I just for me, he's droppable in. But I do think he's a hold in Dynasty because I think next year you you might see uh, something very different. But the problem is that the Buccaneers just aren't very good at running the football. They kind of just run it on first down and they just kind of abandon it um, far too frequently. And this is a team that had the fewest offensive rushing plays in 2021. So we shouldn't be overly shocked um, by this, but it has an impact on... The receivers, um, because what happens now is, is, is. If we talk about coaching, it's kind of been the theme of, of this podcast. When you look at the coaching of of the Buccaneers, it's too predictable. You know they're going to run the ball on first down. You know they're going to pass the ball on third down, and and second down is all down to usage. And basically, the the Steelers just they knew exactly what the Buccaneers were doing, and so Brady had one of his lowest uh, career passing uh, completion games because. The Steelers just knew. They just knew what they. It, it, it was almost like they knew. They knew the playbook. They knew exactly what play was going to go on. Where the Buccaneers are struggling right now is they need a red zone threat outside of Mike Evans, um, and this is where Gronk has gone, and it's it's such a big loss. They need someone to dominate the red zone. So, if you drafted Mike Evans in the third round, you expected him to get, and I've said this many times, a ten touchdown kind of season. You you kind of write that in pen. That's what he does. But he's not getting enough red zone targets. Um, at, you'd be surprised to know that Russell Gage is the leading Bucks receiver um, with red zone targets with seven. And then Fournette and Evans uh, have six. Um, Breit has five, but he's not caught any. Uh, K has, um has three targets. He's only caught one of those. So they need a tight end. Don't be too surprised if the Buccaneers in the trade deadline, go for a tight end. Uh, I don't know who. I, I have no inside knowledge. But they need a big guy to um, throw the ball. It's what Brady needs. It's what this offense needs. They're not efficient in the red zone. Very, very poor red zone offense this season. And I think once they've got that, that will bring in into play Evans more because they'll have to defend the tight end, the big tight end. And um, that will mean that Evans should get more work in that red zone and you start to see those targets um, go back up in his favour. So, um, yeah, it's a big concern right now for the Buccaneers and for if you're holding this offence in fantasy football, I was very in on them. I've got them on a lot of teams. Fournette's going to deliver what we expected him to. He's currently the RB5, expecting him to finish there. Uh, Gage hasn't quite been as good as we thought he would be, but he hasn't been terrible and Godwin is delivering above expectation. It's really just Evans that's been the biggest disappointment as well as also Brady. So they need they need some help, um, and it should come in the coming weeks, but just expect them to be busy at the trade deadline. I expect them to push all in.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And heading towards the close a little bit, let's have a little look at some players that are potentially injured or different situations we need to monitor. So you've obviously got, it looks like Tua... Um, Dak Prescott, Mac Jones all could return this week Um have, what, what are we saying about Jonathan Taylor what do you think with him Murph do you see him being back in week 7 or
6: yeah I mean I, I'd expect him to be back I think he was pretty close to going this week it just was, was ruled out the day before so um and it was a short week I think if it was a Sunday it would be likely that he would go so uh but then I said that about Keenan Allen I've been wrong the last three weeks so you know, I, <laughs> what do I know? Uh, but yeah, I hope he, I hope he's a go for this week.
7: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Michael Thomas is missing time again. You mentioned Hollywood Brown earlier in the show, potential season-ending injury on his foot. Um, Randall Cobb got peppered with targets in London by Aaron Rodgers. He's dealing with an ankle issue. There's loads. You cover it towards the end of the week in your matchup show, anyway. Um, all sort of injuries across um, all the different teams and who's playing who. So do I, and with Robin Pitsy on Fast Action Friday. But I-, I think that we are pretty close now, mate. Where you can get updated on injuries later in the week, you cover them in your matchups um, pod on a Friday, and so do we at Fast Action Friday at six o'clock.
6: Yep, and uh, you also do the injury files every week, don't you, on, on 5 Year Rush, so make sure you uh, check that out uh, on there. And uh, you've got Lewis's handle on the bottom of the screen there, uh, at LV this one so you can catch him there. Um, thanks very much for joining me, mate, and breaking down uh, week six. Um, anything else you want to plug while, while you're here?
7: No, that is about it, mate. I think um, yeah, Thursday morning the injury files will be out.
6: So definitely tune in uh, to the site and do that. I'm going to drop something on running backs in fantasy football over the last decade uh, for the site. i will be dropping that probably Friday. Um, There'll be a sneak peek on the Patreon, I hope, Wednesday. At least I'll share some of the research from that. So if you've not been part of the Patreon and you wonder what it's all about, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash five yard rush. Um, What do you get? if you pay anything over £3 a month, you get merch, um, but also you get access to the exclusive uh, WhatsApp channel, and uh, it's a good community of people in the WhatsApp channel. Yes, it's it's WhatsApp, it's not Discord, because you get access to, to me and, and my brain and my thoughts, and uh, uh, someone in the Patreon, um, and I'm going to quote it directly, said, let me find the exact quote, was the best investment I make every month being on this Patreon, stick that on your sales brochure. Don't have a sales brochure. Do have a podcast. Wardy, I put it on here. So, uh, yes. Um, and he's referring to that because, uh, he was stuck with a start set decision on, I think it was D's. And I told him Lewis to start your Vikings D, uh, over the Packers D. And, uh, he was delighted with that. So I think it got him a win. Uh, I hope so. So, uh, that's what you get. You get, um, cause I get, I get, I keep saying this over and over again. I get about anywhere in the region of about 40 to 200 starts it or some form of questions on my Twitter DMs. I don't answer all of them. Um, some people get annoyed. I don't answer them. Honestly, I don't care. Um, and the reason I don't care is because we put out all this content. You do. I do. All the writers here at 5 Year Rush. Um, the amount of people that ask me, would I start A over B? And it's like, well, they put rankings up every week just set the scoring format and then you can pick, you can just see, you don't need to, there's so many questions like that. So many questions don't have context and it's not the fact I don't want to help. If people have a genuine question and it's about strategy or it's about, um, a philosophy or about improving a team and, you know, I'm all for it. Um, it's just like, would I start at player A over player B? You know, it, it, they don't teach you anything. It's, Th- that information is available. As you said, we do the matchups pod. We do so many different resources to it, All that information is covered, um, which says to me, either you're not reading it or you're just not really that into it and you're just being, what's the quickest available answer? Um, the Patreon, I will answer questions pretty quickly and I will answer them all the way up to kickoff, which I won't do on Twitter. Basically, after about 1 o'clock on the Sunday, I won't look at Twitter. I just don't. I'm too busy doing my lineups, my rankings, spending time with my family. Um so I don't look. So people send me questions at like five to six and then they wonder why I don't get an answer. I don't look, I don't look past one o'clock. So if, if you do want access to me, Patreon's the way to do it. It's really cheap. It's a few pounds a month. It's not even the price for coffee now. Um so Uh, you can get access to that there Uh, but yes Lewis thank you very much for stepping in, Dan love you brother hope uh, the internet is up and running, he's living in the 19th century Um, maybe we can blame this uh, flip flop Tory government on his internet, Uh, maybe we can't who knows what we can and can't blame anymore uh, on the government, all I know is that I'm going to Um, and until that message goes out to everybody um, thank you very much for joining us this week, look forward to catching you all later on in the week, Waverly i will drop tomorrow go check out stacy's colin that's up live on the site now and until next week as always don't forget keep the